Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello? Hi, is Andy Cairns home? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, and he's going to be home for a while. <laughs> just, just wait a second, mate. I'm going to get a chair. I'll be 30 seconds. Hold All right, on. mate. Make yourself comfy. No worries. I'm all right, mate. Yeah, all things considered, could be worse. Uh, I've had to cancel a load of DJ gigs, so money will be a little bit tight for the next few weeks and perhaps months. But where there is a will, there is a way. And, uh, you know, so far, I've still got my health. And, you know, I guess it gives a lot of people like us a time to be creative and and also stop and, you know, take stock, I guess. And yeah. be grateful for the things that we have. Um, so you're out in Cambridge, are you? That's where you live, isn't it? Yeah, um, uh, we kind of live about a mile outside the city centre in a village, so it's it's really isolated anyway. Right. Uh, Self isolation wasn't a big ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me as well, I work from home every day, so that element isn't you know too much of a throw. It's yeah. it's the getting out and about and socialising that that I'm missing. Um, who are you yeah. at home with? Have you got kids at home, or have they flown yeah, the nest? Well, my son's back from uni. He he was up at um, Leeds Uni, and right. he was sent home last Tuesday because the uni finished for the term. And my wife usually works in Cambridge, and she's actually working from home in the office at the back. And what's happening with your son and, and university then? Is just the year been deferred to next? How does that work? He's, well, he was worried. He's not sure yet. They, he was meant to have uh, come home from Easter and then finished last term. It's his first year there. Yeah. Um, and he's doing film. Nice. And they've, set, they've said to him that we'll really... They'll, they'll, They'll send him, I mean, he's doing his lectures online. Yeah. You know, so uh, they're doing streaming them live online. So he's, uh, they're just trying to figure out a way they can mark his first year since it's uncompleted. What a shame for it to happen in his first year as well. Like, you know, you leave home, it's this big rites of passage moment. You're, you know, getting excited for this whole new chapter in your life. You're just settling in after the first term there. And then you're plucked out and sent back home. He must be, he must be gutted. Yes, well, the thing is, he's, he's got two really good cameras because he's, as I say, he's doing a film. And he basically, they told him they were closing the uni, so he got on a train and come home. And then, of course, they announced the lockdown. And then yesterday, there was police doing roadblocks around Yorkshire. So 
His cameras are rubbing his holes of resonance locked in there. Oh, no, so he can't even... Well, I guess he can create with his iPhone, but it's not quite the yeah, same, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think he'd be a lot more comfortable if he had the tilt of his trade with him. Oh, mate. And what about you? Uh, have you had to cancel your upcoming 30th anniversary shows or postpone, or what's going on yeah, with the live we've, stuff? We've cancelled uh, cancel 15 gigs so far. Oh, mate. Yeah, and then that was for they've all <coughs> excuse me, bar one in Istanbul. The other fourteen have been rescheduled for September, October and November, which is when we're also do we're doing six weeks of tour and then and anyway, so it looks like I'm gonna leave home at the at the last week in August and not come back until Christmas Eve. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I'm <coughs> I mean I'm lucky, I've got a little area at the back with amps and guitars and the record companies asked me to go out today and record four acoustic songs in the garage and then send them to them and they're going to send them out to people. They're, they're trying to come up with ideas, a bit like, you know, like yourself, of things to do, live streams, podcasts. So I'm keeping myself busy, well, writing that, new songs as well. That's the key. I think staying busy and productive is the key to staying sane. It's certainly been helping yeah, me doing these every day. Um, mate, you've chosen some great tracks. A lot of artists I was unfamiliar with before as well. So we're going to go through five as we, you know, chat and, and catch up and stuff. So we'll break for the first song now. Rainbow Grave, Dead End. Tell us about this band and this track and why you picked it. Well, uh, Rainbow Grave, it, it's on an album called Know You. And it came out late last year. And it's on God Unknown Records, which is a great record label in the UK. Puts out a lot of really, really good music. Uh, Twin Sister and things like that. And, it's got Nick Bullen, who used to be in Napalm Death really early on. It's got Johnny Doom, who used to be in Doom and is better known as a DJ as well. My great you know? friends, Johnny Doom. Yeah, I love oh, Johnny. Yeah. And uh, the record, I uh, just with that pedigree alone, my, my interest was peaked. And then I saw a review online which said it was like um, a throbbing headache, uh, glue, glue music, really <laughs> Sold it to you. I listened, I listened to it and I loved the lyrics. I loved the aesthetic of it. You know, the sort of little country village with a, a mushroom cloud in the background. It reminds me of the days when I used to listen to to Crass and uh, to Discharge and bands like that. But also the music itself is brilliant. It's, it's got this really bizarre, twisted um, sort of sense of humour in it. And it is really, I mean, initially it sounds really depressed and really full on, but there's something quite life-affirming about it. Well, it's it's very Johnny, you know. His sense of humour is very bleak and very dry and very surreal, and you know, quite grotesque and vivid. And uh, he's going to be stoked that you picked this. I can't wait to tell him. Oh, good man! Dead end. Here we go. <laughs>
know, growing up in Northern Ireland, not to make too much of a stretchful connection, but I've found that with a few of the people that I've talked to, if you've kind of grown up in an unsettling environment, things like this, like we're experiencing at the moment, aren't perhaps as disconcerting because, you know, you've been through weird times and you've had to adjust and adapt. And I mean, have you kind of found that, that, you know, this situation right now isn't perhaps throwing you as much as it could be some people because, you know, you've grown up with these, you know, lockdown concepts and things like this in your life before? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, a couple of things, you know, I will mention, you know, whenever we grew up as kids, there was a ring around the city centre in Belfast, which was the only place you would go to gigs. And, you know, we found ways around it. There was a couple of abandoned buildings, uh, clubs uh, inside the ring, and they couldn't sell beer, but you could bring a car out. And you had to be searched on the way into the ring by the British Army. And, you know, there were great nights, those. But also, um, up until, you know, probably the age of 14, whenever I was, I think 12 was the first time I left Northern Ireland. And what a lot of people don't realise about people that are from Northern Ireland, if you haven't left Northern Ireland until you're 12, at that age, you think everywhere in the world's like that. You know, you, that's all you've known growing up. So you kind of think, well, this is what the world's like, and you get used to it, and it, it doesn't seem a big deal. And then I remember we went to visit my uncle, who lived in Leicester for the first time, and I walked into Boots Chemist with my mum. And back home, if you at the, the height of the troubles, every single shop was like a, an airport situation. You had to go under a metal detector and be searched, going into Boots Chemist, going into WH Smith. And I remember going into Boots and left her with my mum, and I automatically held my hands up in the air. And uh, my mum said, no, they don't do that over here. <laughs> you know, but I was so used to doing it. And then another thing that was really funny, you know, is I didn't even realise at the time, but it was about the same year, myself and the younger brother were taken by my mum to a holiday in France, and they put a trailer with a tent on the back of the car, and we drove to France, and we set up the tent. And we went to somewhere with a beach, and me and my brother were bored silly, you know, we, we were just like, oh, God, you know, it's a tent, it's cold, there's insects, I hate this. And we had we took turns to sort of play music, and myself and my brother were on the beach one day, and I had a Ramones t-shirt on, and these two kids about the same age as us, probably, you know, 12 and 14, these English kids, and they come over and they said, um, oh, all right, cool, Ramones t-shirt, do you like punk? And I was kind of going, yeah, yeah, I like the Ramones. And the younger lad was, was sort of playing with my brother, and we were playing football on the beach. And then... Um, the mum and dad came over and came over and said, all right, boys, where are you from? We said, all right, we're from Northern Ireland, and their faces dropped. And they said, come on, boys, we've got to go back home now. And they took their children home. We were going, all right, see you later. We didn't see them later, and the next day I was walking on the beach, and one of the young lads, the younger of the two, walked by me and looked me in the face and just went, murderer. Wow. And walked on, and I thought, okay, right, maybe it is a little bit different where we come from. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. When did you leave Northern Ireland properly? When did you move out? Uh, well, it, it was always in Northern Ireland until I was about 27. Right, and then okay. I moved to, then I moved to Dublin. You know, with the band and all was up and going and stuff. You know, we'd signed a major label. I was still in Belfast. And then I think just after Trouble Gun came out in 1994, um, I don't know, so it was a bit, I was actually 28. I moved to Dublin for a while. And it wasn't, I didn't move over to England until about 2002, 2001, 2002. I was meant to be in Dublin and Belfast this weekend. I was meant to be on a flight to Dublin right now. Oh, no, where were you meant to be? Where about, you know? I was playing the Workman's Club in Dublin. Oh, venue. And Brilliant then I was venue. going to be doing the Voodoo venue in Belfast. 
I know. I played both before, and <laughs> oh, I was I, I was so looking forward to going. I love both. Yeah. I love both those cities. I love playing both those cities. And yeah, I booked up my first ever like solo mini tour as just a DJ. Usually, I go out with oh, bands, yeah. but this was just going to be me doing club nights. And we had you know dates booked all over the UK and Ireland, and yeah, had to pull them all. Um, let's break for your second song, and then we'll come back and we'll chat about staying sane and, and self isolation, and mm-hmm. you know what you've been up to, what you've been doing. Um, I've never heard of this band or project before. It's called Rack 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 right? That's right, yeah. And Fim de Mondo is the song. Again, tell us about this one, why it's made the cut. Well, Rakta are a band that I saw live last year in the Lexington in London. And before that, I'd had a few of the records. They started out, it's almost like a anarcho-punk, four or five-piece band. They're from Sao Paulo in Brazil. And they, they made sort of like dark death punk, death rock. But over the course of the last few records, it's turned into something different. They've got a lot more psychedelic and trancey and they they're a three-piece now, and they use lots of delay on the vocals. They've got amazing bass lines, very, very tribal and, and trance-like rhythms, and so much echo on the vocal that it sounds like incantations. Amazing. So I went to see them. So I went to see them at Lexington, and uh, it was so it was ball-crushingly loud, and there was these echoes flying off, and it was just so visceral. And everyone was just completely hypnotized by them. And you know, afterwards, I went back and I got all the records that I'd missed since the early punk ones. And there's just something about them that like just puts you in a spell. And really, really fantastic band. Sonhei que o mundo parecia estar prestes a acabar. Uma voz orientava, segura no portão verde. Se joga agora pro azul. Parecia twister, mas era o mundo acabando. Sonhei algo parecido ao mundo em O mundo entrando em colapso. Planetas girando a milhão. Era lindo e dava medo. Via o mundo acabar da janela.
how do you, Andy? Because I know you're plugged into you know current music and subgenres and underground scenes. Like, how do you keep up up to date and in touch with everything that's going on? Do you subscribe to magazines? Is it online? Like, I know you're across the board all the time with everything that's going on, and obviously, you know, I think that you've always been that way. So, how do you keep plugged in? What's your sources well, I mean, of information? I, I think it's I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, I, saw, I don't know if you saw that thing recently, it was, they mentioned it on the BBC, that um, people, they, they did a survey and they reckoned that in this country, people stop listening to music at 34 years of age. So they don't, they don't, stop, sorry, they don't stop listening to music, their taste finishes and calcifies at 34. So Yeah, and then they, they stop searching they do, new stuff. Yeah, so, they, so all they do is listen to stuff they have in the library. Yeah, and I know that you and I know that all, I know friends of mine. We keep we'll always keep listening to new music, and I think I've done stuff like that. Band like Ragta, for example. And, you know, I, I read a review of them in Maximum Rock and Roll, and I, the references that I saw Susie and the Banshees, Ex Mall, Deutschland. They were bands I liked when I was a kid, so I checked them out online. I went to All Ages Records in Camden whenever I was done visiting mates and bought a couple of their seven inches, and that's how I discovered them. And then whenever I'm a big fan of a band called Death Kids that are also from Brazil. And they were playing the Lexington, and it was Racta that was opening for them. So I thought, right, I'm going to go down early and make sure I catch them. And if I hadn't have gone down early, I wouldn't have seen what they now sound like and gone back and bought all the older records. Well, you touched on it there. That's the key, I think, isn't it? Is the real music fans in the room will be there from doors to catch the opening act, the support band, and the headliner and see the full show because that's often where you get switched on to some of the best new stuff, isn't it? Is at shows. Yeah, I know. I've made mistakes in the past. I remember. Um, Years ago, talking to Chris McCormack, whenever I just heard Turbo Negro. Good old Chris. And I, and I said to him, uh, Chris, look, you know, you, you got to hear this band, Turbo Negro. And he looked at me and shook his head and says, you've seen them? He said, I took you to see them. <laughs> he said, years ago, there was a band called Grass Show. We're playing in Islington. And uh, I rang you up when you were living in London. And you said, oh, let's go and see them. And uh, <laughs> me and you got so plastered in the pub before the gig. <laughs> we sat through the, this opening band. The opening band was Turbo Negro. So you've seen them live. You just can't remember. <laughs> Amazing. Good old Camden nights out, right? Yeah. Do you miss living in London? Or are you at the right stage in life now where being out of it is, you know, it's it suits your lifestyle and where you're at? No, I, I, I miss it. I always talk about this, you know, the time I do. Like, I think, you know, ideally, it would be nice to have somewhere that I could go all the time. You know, I like... From, for the sense of what I do, you know, I, I, I'm so busy with the band, and in a normal year we tour a lot. It's good to come back to Cambridge because I love it here. It's the favourite place I've ever lived. But at the same time, you know, going to football, going to see friends, it's always really, really handy to be in and around London. But then again, something like this, it's, it's, um, it must be a nightmare for certain people. I've seen all the footage of people on the tube and people, you know, that have to go to work whatever the cost. I mean, my heart goes out to them. It must be awful. Yeah, there's a strange vibe in the city at the moment. I went walking around yesterday and with my camera just to take some photos because I figured I'm not going to be taking any photos at gigs for a while. And I bought a camera just before Christmas because I wanted to start getting into photography this year. And I figured, well, if there's going to be no shows, I've got to think of other things to you know shoot and, and document. And I thought, well, right now, obviously, we're in a very unique point in history where one of the busiest cities in the world in a lot of places is going to be absolutely deserted. So I went down to um, like Carnaby Street and Piccadilly Circus and all around there and it was like a ghost town, mate. It was so eerie. Oh, and this, really? Wow. And this is in the middle of the day at like 2pm, you know, lunchtime. Oh, no, really? Wow, I can't imagine that. 
I'll send you a few photos. You know Argyle Street, that little street that you come yeah, out of Oxford? Yeah, yeah. So I took this picture of um, just this phone box down there with the Palladium behind it and the entire street. Oh, wow. There's not a body in sight. Yeah. Absolutely mad. There's a lot of post-punk bands are going to get great artwork out of this I know, right? And hopefully good music. So what are you yeah. doing? What are you, How are you spending your days? Well, we've got... Um, we started work on our artwork. This year was meant to be our 30th anniversary, so the whole live show situation was geared around that. And before the virus hit big time, we were actually in the middle of writing and rehearsing for album number 16. So we'd, we'd written a bunch of songs um, up in the East Midlands. We've, we've got a, a few rehearsal places, one in London and one in the East Midlands, that we, that we tend to frequent. And, and we were up in the East Midlands with Neil for a couple of times, writing new material. And what I've done since then, you know, is we know that we're planning to go into the studio before the end of the year. You know, at the minute, as I said, it looks like we'll go on tour from late August to December. But if we get a chance, we will go in at the end of the year and record these songs. Uh, so at the minute, I'm just kind of listening back to what we've done, making sure the guitar parts are good enough, double-checking what lyrics have written, so and, and trying to come up with new material as well. And are you feeling inspired at the moment in these crazy times? I did, and then I ran out of steam. I mean, when the lockdown was first announced, I would get up, go in in the morning, play guitar, warm up, play the music loud, write lyrics, but I think actually staring at the four concrete walls of a rehearsal space... You know, I've gone for a run every morning to try and sort of keep my health up as well because I don't want to just sit and get out of shape. But I think at some point I might have to resort to movies or a bit like your good self, go out with a, an iPhone and, and, and to take some photographs or some videos. Yeah, I just for me right now, it's all about keeping the mind occupied because as you say, you, you then otherwise wake up and go, oh my God, this is a, this is a bleak reality. Mm. <laughs> Distraction is a wonderful tool. Um, your third song on the list, Pet Brick, Radiation Facial. As far as song titles go, they don't come much better than that. Tell us about these guys and this track, Andy. Well, I thought this, um, I mean, I really like this because, you know, it's got Igor Cavalera in it. Amazing. And he makes music with a guy called Wayne Adams, who used to be in a few bands called Big, uh, Big Lab and stuff. And he's got like, a, you know, they own a studio. Um, and this is kind of, this is her second album. Um, it's called I, I think, or it might be one, whatever way I'm reading it. But it's great. There's some amazing songs on it. But Radiation Facial, I thought was like really, really apt for these kind of anxiety-ridden times. It's also got Dylan Walker from Full of Hell on the track, and he does a great job on the vocals. And, I, and that was one of the first uh, things. I've got a ticket to see Full of Hell, and opening for them are going to be I Flies, who's in a band that I absolutely love. And that was at the Scala in April, and then that got cancelled, obviously. So, you know, but this, um, I was lucky enough that the last time I went to see Death Kids, I'm sorry, the, yeah, one of the times I went to see Death Kids recently, they got Igor Cavalera from Pet Brick and Salvatore up to jam with them, and he was playing the percussion along with the rest of the band, and they've got that Brazilian groove thing going on. So they, they did a track, and in the middle of it, they just went into this um, spiral of just kind of drums and percussion, which is really, really spellbinding.
I mean, what's your thoughts on, on everything that's going on, as much as we do know or are allowed to know? What do you make of all this, mate? Well, I'm in contact with, with the lads in the band out here, my friends and, and everyone. The reason. I think the, the thing that I'm looking, I'm trying to look at it through an eye of absurdity. Yeah. You know, there's there's a few things that are making me laugh. You know, there's, um, I think all people staffed behaviour never ceases. I mean, it is terrifying, but it never ceases to amaze me. People saying that they're going to go to the beach no matter what, and people having barbecues, and people coughing in, in elderly people's faces and in police, police officers' faces, medical staff having their tires slashed, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, on the upside of it, there's uh, our little village is tiny, and there's a, a woman that would be in her early 80s here. And as soon as the lockdown and the two-meter rule was announced, she's kind of made it, she's become the captain mannering of our village. She's there every morning, making sure that there's no meetings of more than two people, and that if any joggers on the road pass each other, they're, they're required two meters apart. So that's quite funny, you know. I was sent to our band manager yesterday, and kind of just... And expecting to come out one day and find that she's attached loudspeakers to the telegraph poles and it's blasting Vera Lynn at top volume. <laughs> My dad always used to say this when I was growing up, but he'd always say to me, there's now queerer than folk. And I yeah, think no, in times I like this, it really brings out the the worst and, as you say, the crazy in people, doesn't it? Like, you know, the no. fact that people bought up all the hand sanitizing gel and they're now on eBay for like £500 a little miniature bottle. And it's like, well, have you not just heard of soap and water and like things like this? And you're just like, how crazy are people? But, you know, I think situations like this prove just how how weird and wonderful the human race is. You do have to keep a kind of a comic eye as well, don't you? Otherwise, you'll you'll just go mad. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I know that the three of us in the band, we are of the belief. We fundamentally believe that most people are good. Yeah. You know, it only takes a couple of knobheads to ruin it for everybody else. But we do believe that genuinely most people <laughs> Most people in the world are, are good and want the best for people, and I think that's something as well that we, we cling on to as well in these times. How can you see this panning out? Again, we're no experts, but just as you know, a regular guy at home looking at his livelihood and you know what's going to happen in the coming weeks. What do you see happening? Well, since the lockdown on Monday, I've gone for a run every morning, and I run down the A10 and I run down little roads, and I've seen that from the first day there was a handful of cars, second day a few more, and today it was almost verging on normal traffic. And I think what will happen is in a fortnight, people will just go, we'll sort this, I've had enough. And we'll start seeing people just throwing caution to the wind. And then I think that's when it'll really hit, and there'll be another lockdown. So I think, you know, because of people's carelessness and thoughtlessness, we'll probably have to go back to square one in about three weeks' time. Um, After that, I think if, as long as people behave themselves a wee before, fortunately they'll get over it. I don't, I don't see it as an apocalyptic thing at the minute, fingers crossed, touch wood. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I do think if people are sensible, it should, uh, it should even itself out. And I also think what, it, what I hope it does do is wake people up to what a wonderful thing we have in this world, what a wonderful place we live in and what a wonderful gift we have with life. And they might hopefully treat it with a bit more respect. Yeah, stop taking it for granted and stop, you know, being greedy, I guess. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, the economic implications are staggeringly worrying. I think, you know, the businesses and the venues and companies and I think so many people have already been hit and so many more are going to be hit by it. Um, But I think, like with all situations like this, that there's a way through and I guess you just have to sort of knuckle down don't you yeah buckle up for the ride 
have to. It is a, it is a to use that cliche that's been around. It is a new reality we're facing, and economically, it is going to hit a lot of people. But I think that's what I'm hoping for that people actually begin to help each other out a lot more. I think coming on the back of Brexit, you know, someone that comes from Northern Ireland that, that we touched on earlier. I grew up in a country that was divided, and I saw the absolute devastation that can have on people. Yeah. And whenever I, I was living over here when Brexit started, and I just saw the same thing, people getting twisted up, and the, the amount of hatred and bile, and the amount of division it caused in the country. So I'm kind of hoping that this is a salve, a little bit of a balm after Brexit, when people get over the coronavirus, that they've maybe learned a lesson. Let's break for your second to last song, Deaf Kids. You've been talking about them a bit. Um, Templo, is it De Chaos or Cassos? Uh, yeah, Temple of the Cows, it's Temple of Chaos. Love it. Uh, I mean, again, that's kind of what we're in right now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these guys? What was your introduction to them? Um, they are, uh, they started out, I heard them years ago on a website in America. They started out more as like a kind of anarcho UK punk band influence, very, very noisy, fast, hardcore. And they sort of developed into this very psychedelic maelstrom of uh, repeated vocals riffs it sounds like it's very very visceral and psychedelic and very hypnotic um what they do is they tend to take one of the their their lyrics are like discharges lyrics they're little uh haiku poems they're one or two lines but they've got lots of echo on them and again you've really got to see them live you know it's the records are brilliant but whenever you see them live you just it's one of those bands that you actually get lost in and i, and I went to, whenever i the first time i've seen them live a few times the first time i saw them live People didn't really know that much about them. And after five minutes, it's one of those bands, you know those bands when you see them and every single person in the room is swaying backwards and forward and nodding their head, even the bar staff. It was one of those events where they just sucked everyone into this kind of maelstrom. It was amazing. Is that a big part of what you do in therapy? Is that hypnotic kind of vibe that, as you say, almost takes people to another plane with the music? I mean, especially therapies earlier days, well, whenever we were, as well as hardcore, we were in, influenced by Acid House, New Beat, early hip-hop, and what we used to love was, we've all, I think that's why therapy's always had amazing drummers, because it's really, really important to us that we, we have people that are slightly outside the you know, four to the four beats, Yeah. and I think there's nothing better than if we play a, a track, you know, there's certain things, a lot of our songs are very short, but, you know, so if, if it's so loud, and you just see people lose themselves, and that's... That's why I actually often, people ask me a while ago why we went on tour with the Stranglers, you know, because we were a support band. And I said, well, a couple of reasons. One was, you know, they were, when I was a kid, they were one of my favourite bands on the planet. But the second thing is, you know, we had this thing, and we always quote this. The bass lines, it's, baby. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's winning people over. The, fir- the first time we, we saw um, the Stranglers, it was, there was one guy in particular at the front doing the thumbs down at the front and booing between every song. And I kid you not, after two weeks on the road with them, we got out at our last gig at Manchester Apollo, and the same guy was standing outside our van with a pen and a copy of Trouble Gum, and he wanted it signed. Amazing. That's, that's that, brilliant. I mean, that, that's amazing. When you just look out into the crowd, especially if you see people that don't know the band, the, the best thing is when, when you're there with your fans and the people that have bought tickets for you, the sense of community is amazing, and it's, nothing can beat it. But then also, if you support people that, whose fans know nothing about you, that's a real adventure as well. Well, let's break for the track. I want to come back and talk to you some more about that. Uh, This is Deaf Kids on Soundtrack Apocalypse. Here we go. Deaf Kids. 
so over the years, Andy, what have been the most challenging and enjoyable support slots therapy you've done where you've had to do exactly that, win, fight to win over the crowds because they're unfamiliar with you and you're perhaps a little bit out of sync with the band that you're opening up for? Do any stand out? Well, there's a great photograph from us in our early days whenever we were a hardcore band and it was a limelight in Belfast. And Michael has got this great black and white picture which his brother took and we were opening for a band called Ride. Yeah, 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 I know, right, yeah, yeah. Great band. Great band, yeah. Us, us and them are chalk and cheese, and we, the, somebody knew us and said, we'll get everybody open for a ride. So we would only put out our first single at this point. We hadn't even brought out our first album. And there's just a great picture of loads of people looking kind of confused in stone roses and spiral carpets, Ned's Atomic Dustbin, Ride, Carter the Unstoppable T-shirts. And I, Michael's jumping in the air, and I'm on the floor, manipulating all my effects pedals and there's just one guy standing and he looks like you know he's got the, the bowl head haircut and the big jeans and the baggy top and he's just standing pole face giving me the fingers <laughs> 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 and that kind of sums that up and then you know the last time we did anything when it was strange for some reason about two years ago somebody booked us on a gig with a it was a Danish festival that we had never heard of, and we got there and we thought we, we looked at the bill, and the bill was you know very much folk rock and um, blues and world music. Right. And we were we were the only, not even just the only heavy-ish rock. We were the only rock band on the, the lineup, and we went on stage. It was an outdoor festival, and within thirty seconds, there was a huge we call it a crescent of emptiness at the front of the stage. Everyone had just backed off. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, I mean, the crowd was kind of like my age and upwards, so they were kind of, there was, a, there was just a whole sense of, whoa, what the hell is this? A crescent of emptiness, I love that. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like, sometimes people just get it so wrong when booking these shows. I think sometimes, like the ride thing, for instance, maybe it wouldn't make sense on paper, but there's a link and a lineage there. But sometimes, yeah. as you say, you end up on these bills, bands end up on these bills, and you think, well, how the hell did we end up here? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I remember years Who's ago... Who's in charge here? Uh, yeah, I remember years ago, uh, the Jam, whenever the Jam were signed to Polydor, you know, uh, about, I think it was 1978 or 79, they, they did an American tour opening for Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> and I just think the Blue Oyster Cult were a psychedelic biker rock band and yeah. they've got these three mods from London opening for them. That must have been so insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, dude. It's been a, a pleasure, as it always is, talking to your good self. Um, I hope that these shows go ahead, the rescheduled ones go ahead as planned. It's going to be a weird summer, isn't it? Did you have many festival bookings in the diary, or were you fairly open yeah, on the summer anyway? We have. We've got more festivals booked this year than we have in the last five years. Oh, man. Yeah, so I mean, so far only two of them have been cancelled, and they were in early June. Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of hoping that the rest of them are... I mean, thankfully the rest of them are in August, uh, late July, August, and a couple run into early September, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, it's uncertain, isn't it? The, the thing for me, because I'm self-employed, the fact that they've said they're going to start helping self-employed people from the 1st of June, for me, yeah. kind of implies that most of summer might well be a lockdown too, because otherwise, why would they be introducing it then, at which point a lot of people might be able to be back at work anyway? Do you know what that's I mean? Such a great, yeah, that's such a good point, Mike, yeah. Unless they're just doing it so you can backdate it from March, April, May and, and help people out that had those three months of, of no incomes. But I just thought, well, if it's coming in in June, then what does that imply for June, July, August for, you know, people that work in 
in our worlds. Has it on like an economic level? I know therapy is quite a, you know, cottage industry DIY operation mm-hmm. anyway. You don't have a lot of, you know, cogs and it's not this big yeah. business operation. But has it has it hit you guys hard having to push these shows back and losing these festivals and well, we and we we've got the thing with therapy. We uh, we've got a record company. And we've got to do so that helps. That's all the recording costs and producer and studio costs. That's all covered. You're with Marshall, and, right? Yeah, we're Marshall Records. Yeah, and they've been really good to us. But the thing about us is obviously the last gig that we actually played was last October, and we've had fifteen, fourteen, fifteen gigs cancelled. That we you know we were meant to be in the middle of the tour at the minute. Yeah, and the March sales from that. Now the only thing is, we are quite sensitive. We always have been. It's our, our hardcore upbringing, so we don't do the whole two tour buses catering, yeah. limos, five star hotels, and that's amazing how much money as a band you save when you don't live that lifestyle. But there will become a t- there will come a time over the summer when we're really really going to have to be careful. You know, if if as we just touched on there, this continues on all over the summer, it will soon get to the point where it could even be a year when we haven't had any. Well, we, we, you know, we sell CDs and stuff like that, but you know, that doesn't go to us directly. So yeah. we have to be really, really careful at the minute. Are you thinking about any other avenues as of yet for you know ways in which you can engage with the audience and perhaps generate a little bit of income of those conversations that are starting to happen yet or not? Yeah, all the band, all band this week and the record company and our management have all been involved in this. We're talking about what ways to make it work. You know, Unfortunately, there's been some requests from our fans about... Uh, you know, web gig, but you know, Michael lives in Larne in Northern Ireland. Neil lives uh, in the East Midlands, and I live in the southeast of the country. So it's it's impossible in the current situation to get together. So we're going to try and do little things like you know, put up videos and keep in contact through social media. You know, and, uh, and hopefully that's the best we can do. Michael Bless and Michael McKeegan, the bass player of Therapy, he's the archivist of the band, and he's managed to dig out a lot of live footage. Nice. So well, Metallica are doing thing. that every Monday. They're doing Metallica Mondays where they put up an entire. Yeah, they put up an entire gig uh, every Monday. So maybe you could do Therapy Thursday or Therapy Tuesday. No worries. Well, another one that you could look at doing, perhaps, if you get that app Zoom, um, <laughs> which is like a video conference call thing, you can get all three of you on that. You can record them. So you just record it straight onto the computer. And obviously, yeah. as, it's, as it's 30 years of the band, maybe you could do a video a week where you talk about you know every record chronologically and just all reminisce on the writing and the recording and then you could maybe do like a a paypal thing where people you know can the videos are free but people can chip in and donate a bit you know at their at their discretion yeah i mean it's that and also another thing we've got to think about as well i think it's you know for us we've been careful but i suppose a lot of our worries as our friends and crew members and stuff you know a lot of the a lot of the crew members of the band they've uh they're relying on not just therapy, but they maybe have, say, two or three bands they work with. Yeah. And they've got mortgages and things like that as well. So it's, uh, yeah, but that's a great idea. Thanks. Is it called Zoom? Yeah, Zoom. Uh, Z-O-O-M. Yeah, have a look into that. But as I said, if you've got, you know, you've got so many records to talk about, so you could just yeah. do, you could do one a week and that would be three months worth of, I hate the word, but quote unquote content then. And you could even do yeah. each one as a little crowdfunder for the band and crew. Um, I know Frank did that. I know Frank did that the other night. He did a live gig on Facebook and I mean, his fans are amazing, but he managed to raise, I think it was about 44 grand on online. And he's, so he's managed to take care of all of his crew for all of the summer. Um, 
so yeah man there's avenues like wherever there's an idea there's a way and i think you know you've obviously been a band for so long people who are into therapy are behind the band so i think you've definitely got the fan base there that would step up to the plate in situations like this when needed so um yeah man and speaking of frank your final song is uh is by him i'm guessing this is a return of the favor because he picked one by you the other day but obviously i know you guys are tight and there's mutual respect there anyway um how did you first meet frank do you remember yeah i was uh, backstage at nottingham rock city uh whenever he was playing with million dead there was a mini festival on in rock city and million dead were just about to, to break and they were headlining the second room at Rock City, and we were headlining the main room. And Frank came back and knocked on the door and came in and said, I just want to say hello, and, you know, I love the band. And he stayed in the dressing room, and then after both bands played, he was hanging out with us. And then after that, a few times when I was in London, I bumped into him, and he was always really good company. And uh, I think the reason why I chose the track, there was, apart from the fact that we, we know the song, we're very, you know, we love his music, I think I wanted to end the choice of the five songs with something with a bit of hope and a bit of positivity. And I think, I must say, of all the all the musicians that I know, the two people that I think are the most positive are Michael McKeegan, the therapy bass player, and Frank Turner. There's something about no matter what, whatever the world throws at them, they, they have a can-do attitude. It's like, no, they don't crawl into a corner and just hope that the sky stops falling. They actually get up off their ass and try and do something about it. And so I thought having a, you know, and that also Tape Deck has my, probably my favourite album by by Frank and this is the opening track and it's you know it's, I think as we talked about earlier when the summer goes we will be on a long road back to recovery and I think uh, Frank's the man to soundtrack that I love it, mate. Well, Tape Deck Heart, my favourite album by him too and this song as you say is so life affirming and exactly the kind of music we need in these uncertain times so let's play out with this. Nice one, Andy. Great catch up, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. Hopefully I'll see you sooner rather than later, fella. Blacking in and out in a strange flat in East London Somebody I don't really know just gave me something to help settle me down And to stop me from always thinking about you And you know your life is heading in a questionable direction When you're up for days of strangers and you can't remember anything Except the way you sounded when you told me you didn't know what I should do Like every boring blues song, I get swallowed by the pain And so I fumble for your figure in the darkness Just to make it go away But you're not lying there any longer And I know that that's my fault So I've been pounding on the floor And I've been crawling up the walls And I've been dipping in my darkness With serotonin boosters Cider and some kind of smelling salts So I'm out to recover Make a deal If anybody ever asks us Let's just tell them that we met in jail And that's the story that I'm still
chicken do like a stony face to compass But tonight I need to hear some truth and I'm ever getting through this Yeah, you once sent me a letter that said If you're lost at sea, close your eyes and catch the time, my dear And only think of me Well, darling, now I'm sinking and I'm as lost and lost could be And I was hoping you could drag me up and down here towards my recovery Just a subtle little glimmer Some suggestion that you'd have me If I could only make me better Then I would stand a little stronger As I walk a little taller All the time Because I know you are a cynic But I think I can convince you Yeah, cause broken people can get better If they really want to Or at least that's what I have to tell myself If I am hoping to Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.